Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Welcome back, everybody, to the show. I'm Titus, your host today, and we are excited to bring another episode from the MVM show. Got Matt from High Prairie Sportsman back on again. Good to have you back, Matt. Yeah, good to be back. Man, you just you have been busy this this last duck season. Just how many times did you hunt? How many times uh, did you go on? I think counting snow geese, it's about eighty now. Holy smokes. Now, your is your conservation season over? No, we still got till April 15th, but wow. we keep getting this, like we get this cold snap and then it warms up and then keeps getting cold again. Like today it's 70. Last week it was four for a high, so <laughs> not really conducive for snow geese hunting. Yeah. What do you find usually the most successful se- success on, on your on your goose hunts for the snow geese? Oh, uh, well, once, you want like a warm stretch. Um, and once the adults move through, you get those juvies. They're not, you know, they're not as smart. So you can get those to decoy a lot better. And, you know, I've only shot a handful of snows. I'm still, still learning a lot about it, but, uh, it's another addiction. I'm catching. I'm afraid. <laughs> really? I've, I've heard a lot of people say that what, like, if you've never done it and you waterfowl for a long time and you do it, it actually is pretty addicting if you, when you get on a good hunt. Yeah. I'm like, you know, you see those videos of those big snow tornadoes or big spins, they call them. And I've yet to experience that, but um, we've decoyed a few of them in fairly close and that, that alone was cool, but I want to see one of those big spins where it's just hundreds of birds coming in on your, you know, on top of you. Yeah. That would be cool. So it's kind of, you're just chasing that. Or at least that's what I'm chasing right now. <laughs> yeah. Are you kind of trying to run it by yourself or have you taken anybody this season to go with uh, you? No, I, I just bought my first snow goose decoys this year. So I don't even really have much of a spread. I just got, I don't know, some silhouettes, five dozen silhouettes. I think I got, so okay. I just go out with other people. Yeah. Well, I wanted to really start to kind of got sidetracked there, but I wanted to really start this episode off on, um, talking about uh, firstly <clears throat> a lot of things to cover but I want to kind of go over the photography thing real quick because actually I'm, I'm holding in my hands those of you that are watching on the YouTube channel the MVM show channel I'm holding in my hand my uh, Sony a7R3 with a 200 to 600 millimeter uh, G master lens from Sony and actually I got some incredible photos today I was out there had a local waterfowl, kind of like a, a refuge drive through And man, I, w- I usually shoot in the evenings, but I shot in the morning today. And it was kind of, it wasn't mid-morning, but anyways, the sun was perfect lighting. And there was thousands and thousands of snows. And uh, there was some, I saw some, not as many as I thought it would, but I saw some uh, uh, um, blues. And then there was a lot of Ross Keys out there too, but I got really good photos of some pintails and a few pictures of shovelers. I mean, it's so easy to get shoveler pictures. It's just kind of <laughs> like, eh, I've been skipping all those, but I got some green wings, cinnamons, pintails. 
got several. I got uh, two banded snows and a banded Ross today uh, Ooh, nice. on pictures. So, but tell us about what you just captured recently. That was unreal. <laughs> yeah, so I I kind of went on a. I think it was like a ended up being a six or seven hour drive Saturday, just all you know, just places I knew where there might be some ducks or geese and started out the morning with a uh, banded speckle belly, which I couldn't, oh, couldn't nice. believe that. Yeah. That was my first stop. I, I saw these geese driving by and I was like, Oh, you know, I'll see if I can get close to them. And uh, you know, I'm using a 150, 600 millimeter lens on oh, my, okay. uh, on my Sony a 6300. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I don't need to get too close to them right. where they'll fly away. But yeah, I was just watching these specs and these Canada's and, you know, I was trying to look for quills and other cool stuff and the specs just stuck out and then I could see something shining on this one's leg. So that was, that was cool to know there's actually bands in my area. Yeah. You were starting to think there wasn't, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, you know, I thought they were just a myth, but, um, yeah. So started out there and then went to another place where there was quite a few mallards and I was taking pictures of these mallards and all of a sudden I'm looking through my lens and I see this one, it has a blue bill. And I'm looking closer and he's got the sprig too. It's a pintail mallard hybrid. First time I've ever yes. observed that in the wild. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. Dude, that's and cool. Course, yeah, you know, of course he didn't stay still for very long. He swam behind like some weeds and I couldn't get a lot of pictures. I, I only saw him at the last minute. Otherwise I would have just taken, I don't know how many pictures of him. Right. I got, got a couple of good ones. Yeah. And then. Just tons of, you know, plumed out green wings and pintails and divers and all kinds. I mean, it's just a great time to go out and take pictures of ducks. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And you know what's so funny? I I get really pumped uh, when I get, I just know, like, sometimes you just know it's going to be a good shot. You haven't looked at it back at, you know, on your computer yet. But, like, you kind of go back and look at it and you're like, oh, I know that's going to be a good one. And it's just, like, yeah. so exciting. Almost, I'm almost surprised at myself how excited I get about that. Because I know I like, when I know I take a good picture, like during the waterfall season, like, oh, that one's going to look good once I edit it. But like getting these shots on these birds, whether they're stretching out their wings or they're flapping or they, they're in flight and they're locked up landing. It's just like, it's a cool feeling. Like, it's pretty exciting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, you just, you, you're looking for that perfect angle, that perfect shot, like you said, and you get back to the computer and like, Oh my gosh, this turned out way better than I even thought. And yeah. I, just, I, mean, I had a blast just, I mean, that's what I did all Saturday evening is I just sat down and I was going through all the pictures I took and editing the cool ones and deleting all the blurry ones. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> now you're doing manual settings probably, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, for the most part. I'm doing, uh, what is it, continuous high shooting mode and then uh, I can't remember what all I got it on, but yeah, basically what you do for sports action yeah. shots. Yeah, I think my settings today, and I don't. This probably bores some people, but I think I had my f stop that I, the lowest I could go was five point six on this, and then when you zoom in real close, it's six point three is the is the best you can get. But it's it's amazing how blurry background that is with that setting because it's such a far zoomed lens. Yeah, and then I think of my frame or not my frame rate, but my um. Uh, shutter speed was at 1200, which uh, just if anyone is interested in taking pictures, which I guess that some people have messaged me about that. And I'm still learning and stuff, but I have some really good teachers. Um, Caleb Marmalejo, he's a, an amazing photographer and he's really helped me with settings, but he's never really done birds like that. So he was like, I don't know. So I YouTubed it. But I also looked up uh, Phil Conkey. You know who that is. And he takes incredible and he actually does have a channel and he goes over good settings for taking birds in flight and all that stuff so i pretty much mimicked what he said i think he goes 1200 on the uh, which will take away blur which is what you want because those birds are moving so fast so i was at 1200 on the um shutter speed and then like 5.6 on the aperture and then obviously your iso is just kind of set based on the lighting but yeah i've been pretty happy but like you said you'll take you know, you'll take 500 pictures and end up with 10 to 20 good ones, you know? Yep. And that's, you know, when I, and granted, you know, I'm, I'm probably further behind you are even in the photography world there, Titus, but you know, I'm still learning. But one quote that stuck out to me when I was, you know, just doing some research is, uh, 
or I guess it's kind of more of an anecdote, but there was a photography teacher and he was saying to his class, you know, he had half of them try to set up the perfect shot and they take one picture. And then he had the other half just take as many pictures as they could. And then at the end of the assignment is they would look at whose pictures turned out better. And it was the ones that took as many as they could, because you can try to plan the perfect shot, (laughs) but you know, more likely than not, something's going to mess up on it. So it's better to, you know, quantity over quality and you'll end up with the quality, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, totally agree. Because, I th- now I think on some senses there is a um also a good little thing that can help us out in the waterfowl photography. I think a lot of duck hunters want to take pictures of birds. It gives them something to do in the off season, and it, we just like. I don't know if there's any hunter that doesn't like bird watching birds land lock up. If you're at Disneyland or if you're at a park pond and you see birds, you're just you can't help it. Your attention's drawn to it, and um, you know. I think us having the knowledge of how birds act and the things they do, for instance, like when a bird's getting ready to stretch or something, you know, and depending on what you're looking for, you kind of know that because you can tell by their posture and their body movement, like what they are about to do or if they're about to fly because they get that look in their their head movement and the way they're looking around, you know, okay, they're getting ready to fly. Or, you know, when a bird's locked up getting ready to come in you know so knowing having that knowledge of knowing birds i think really helps in the photography side of it too yeah yep completely agree with that and you know what one thing i've been kind of focusing on more this off season while taking these pictures is like whether it's geese in a field or ducks out there you know swimming around or wherever they're at is i'm trying to take pictures of them when they they don't know i'm there Mm -hmm. so i can kind of study them in the off season and try to set up more realistic spreads. Like, you know, everyone's worrying about decoys touching or something. Well, I mean, shoot, you look at some of these pictures and they're, they're right next to each other. Mm -hmm. Like, so you can learn a lot just from watching the birds and listening to the birds, but Mm -hmm. especially watching them. Totally. You know, one thing that's helped me a lot too is uh, flying in this area in the helicopter and what I'll do is, I mean, you guys stay pretty high over these refuges, but still, I can still, when I'm going dead over them, and they're about, you know, they're letting water out now, so before long, these birds won't even be around, but I'm taking advantage of when I do get flights, I'll look down over top of them and see, like, exactly like you said, how they're set up, you know, how they're clumped together, how they're spread out as far as the birds themselves for decoy set up, and, and, you know, I've got pictures before of that, like, just quick snapshots, and I'm like, Man, they, there is kind of a, I mean, I shouldn't say there's like a pattern to it. There's definitely not a pattern to it technically, but they do set up in, in ways that you never set your decoys up. Like they'll clump up, like you said, they'll clump yep. up here. They'll be like 20 in a clump and then there'll be another 10 over there in a clump and then there'll be two singles out there by themselves randomly. So I know it's kind of random, but at the same time, it is nice looking at that kind of stuff if you can to help you when you are setting up decoys, like you said, some are right on top of each other, almost touching, you know? So, yeah, you know, I, that's, you know, I'm, that's what I'm getting from some of these pictures is just ideas of how to set up spreads that no one else would even think of, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Like just for instance, I was taking pictures Saturday of some mallards and there was, it was a steep cut bank kind of, you know, a two foot drop or something. And there was like hens and drakes just sitting right next to each other in the shadow of this bank is a nice sunny day. They're sitting right on that bank in the shadow. There's a bunch of them. And I wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't think that ducks would do that. Right. You'd they'd be out in the sunlight or sitting up on top in the, like some flat grass or something, but there they were. So. I mean, it makes sense. Like, but yeah, I guess like you said, you don't think of it that way, you know, yeah. during season, mm-hmm. but it kind of makes you think, okay, is this what they're doing? in the middle of the day too, when they're loafing, they're trying to find those like little nice cozy shade spots and get out of the sun a little bit, you know, kind of makes you wonder. Yeah, exactly. Especially early season, right? When it actually is still pretty warm out. I mean, obviously when it's January and it's freezing cold and it's bitter cold, you know, they're probably like us. They want to find the sun, kind of warm up a little bit and preen and do whatever they're going to do. But I don't know. It's a great for anybody that's new out. I think it's just a great thing to do is to be out there 
right? And, and I'll tell you guys this listening, how if there's new people listening, you know, from the end of season, so like say the beginning of February till March, definitely want to get out there as quick as you can because before long, those birds won't be around. I mean, maybe it's different for you, Matt, where you're at. I don't know. Do they? Do you feel like birds stick around pretty long, or do you? They kind of move off eventually. No, I mean we will have uh, we'll have resident populations of Canada geese and uh, wood ducks, particularly around. And then, I mean, I can go up in the sand hills, all across the you know northern part of the state, pretty much. And there's nesting populations of everything from trumpeter swans to canvasbacks up there. So, I might. Might make a couple uh, excursions up there this summer, and you know, get, try to get some uh, brood pictures, and I'll, who knows what I'll get up there. <laughs> See, that's just fun. That's exciting thinking about. That makes me want to just fly out there just to just to do that. I talked to Phil. He even said that'd be something I could do is go out there with him, because you know, he sets up uh, decoys and and gets in a ghillie suit and just sits there. He doesn't call, but he just lets them come in, and I I think that's the sickest pictures is them cupped up over the decoys just those shots are incredible to me and i actually talked to a game warden a federal game warden and he said i don't know about state land but he did tell me on federal land there is nothing against there's nothing written against throwing out um decoys this upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. MidwayUSA brand product designers have one straightforward goal, develop high-quality, technically sound products, and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com And taking pictures. So I was like, wow, okay. I mean, that's good to know. Now, I don't think, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, don't, whoever's listening to this, if you're local, don't just start going out there and taking it. But that is what the federal game warden said. You can there's nothing against doing that. Now, that being said, I don't know if you can do that on, like, say, the hunt area or if it has to be, like, in the drive through zones, which a lot of those drive through areas don't want you being in certain parts. So I, I really got to do more research into that. But that's what I really want to do because we don't really have the, the public land around here. I mean, we do, but not to where there's a big group of birds that you would want to make it worth your time to go out there and take pictures, you know? Yeah. And see if we get, if we get some good rains where like all the little ponds and uh, wetlands and stuff fill up, we'll get like, well, we'll get covered up in blue wing teal anyways, but uh, you know, they're a lot more spread out and there's, you know, you can hide the cattails and stuff, take pictures of those. And, you know, they'll be up here in probably a month and a half. I would guess they won't be here for a while. Yeah. I can't wait to get, you know, I can't get them when they're 
nice and plumed out on the way down, but at least yeah. I can shoot them with my camera on the way up. And last year I even saw a few cinnamon teal up around here. So that was cool. Oh, but wow. I was, didn't, didn't have the camera, you know, to, to get good shots of them. So hopefully this year they'll cooperate. Wow. <clears throat> I, um, I, I think another place that I like to go to, too is like a i know this kind of sounds funny but like a golf course there's just certain places you can go that you're just going to be able to get good stuff you know yeah this is going to be up close yes exactly like and they'll you'd be surprised how many bands are out there you know those birds city parks yeah they'll come right up to you asking for bread or grapes or whatever (laughs) yeah (laughs) and you know what's funny a lot of these guys actually are that is where they're getting their photos but they just crop them in you just don't know but regardless i don't care where they take them you know I no. still like looking at the pictures. Yep, exactly. Kind of a little bit of a change, but I was kind of talking about bands. Um, I just seen on the Cal Waterfowl thing, they have, I guess they've banded like over 900 pintails in the last week here. And, you know, kind of in the Central Valley. Ooh. Yeah, can you, 900. That's a lot. That's a lot of birds. Yeah. Um, and you know what? Here's something else funny. <clears throat> Where me... I shot that banded pintail this year. Um, my buddy had told me, and I don't think people knew this, but he, he shot a banded pintail out of the same pond exactly one week before that. Same pond. Jeez. And my thoughts of that were, you know what? And I bet you they ain't. Oh, and I guess the week before that, someone else did because the people at the check station told him. So three weeks in a row out of the same pond, there was a Drake banded pintail each week for three weeks. And that's only what we know of. And I and what I spent some time thinking about that. And I said, you know what? I think why that is, I think it's because that might have been a location in the summertime that they're doing the nets or the traps. And those birds are already acclimated. They like that pond. I mean, I know birds go wherever they want to go, but I'm wondering if that kind of has something to do with it. Like that's a spot that they like to come in and out of. Yeah. Or is it just luck of the draw? I don't know. That's pretty good luck. (laughs) (laughs) I know. That's what I thought too. Pretty interesting. So was it, well, I should, I better not ask that, but I'm just kind of curious. Was it within a hundred miles of where you hunt that you actually seen some banded birds? Yeah. I mean, it was in that area, but like I said, you know, I covered however many hours. So Mm -hmm. I went, I went quite a ways. Yeah. Well, there's a chance, Matt. Yeah, hey, at least I know there's some around now. I know. <laughs> I mean, they just don't show up when I'm hunting. Mm-hmm. You know, we Thomas can't all, be, <laughs> can't all be like some of these can't guys. Can't be all lucky like Jordan. Yeah, I know. I wonder how many he shot this year. He's going to come on the podcast too. I, wonder, I haven't asked him how many he's shot this year, but hi, this is my best year. I've shot three, so I was pretty Jeez. stoked about that. Thomas, I'm actually jealous. I would have traded in one of the banded mallards I shot for what Tom shot. He shot a banded gadwall. Ooh. So I, I don't know. I, I take the banded mallard. Would you? <laughs> I don't, you know, it doesn't seem like a much people shoot banded gadwalls. It seems like ball, banded mallards just such a common thing. Uh, no, that's true. But I'm, I'm just thinking for table fare. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. If we're, if we're talking about that, yeah, I'd agree with you on that for sure. <laughs> Although, man, I don't know. It's mallards here in California to me are hit and miss. I mean, they're never bad. They're definitely better than a gadwall, no matter how you look at it. But man, some of those birds come from the Bay Area, and they just they are not the greatest. I will tell you that. Mm. Um, now Washington had a bunch of birds from Washington this year. Man, they were oh, they're so good. Like every single one, of them. and the fat on them is just thick, and it's yellow. I mean, it's just such. Oh, such yeah. good meat and that you can smell them i mean there's nothing there it's just the purest of meat so good but i've got a couple i saved well that last day of duck season out here i shot a few mallards and i saved a couple back with the skin on froze uh-huh. them i'm gonna once the morels pop i'm gonna make some oh. skin on mallard with some morels oh, so i'm man. just waiting <laughs> you make me hungry <laughs> that sounds so good man that is, oh, yeah. that's by far morels my favorite. I guess you can call it a mushroom, or do they actually? They, you can't call it nothing but a morel. Is that how it goes, or is it actually mushroom? No, right? they're mushrooms. Yeah, I don't want to be getting out, speaking out, of turn, and get something wrong there. But <laughs> nope. Yeah, yeah those, those are so good, man. Ugh, 
I think about those actually quite often. And then you just rub it in by posting all these pictures of finding them. Like, oh, sorry, dog. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So good. So how did your season go over? Like overall, I mean, we can dig into ways, but like, how'd it go? Yeah. I, well, I'd say it was probably well, it was my best season bird number wise ever. Um, now I had to had to work a lot harder than I'm used to, um, but you know, it was well worth it. Uh, so no, it was, a, it was overall a really great year. Got to hunt some new areas that were awesome. Uh, you know, I went out to Wyoming and well, I went out there for opening day of duck season there and got skunked both days. My buddies got each got a goose, um, you know, the days we were out there and then went back for goose season and got to hunt below some mountains and, Oh man, that was just some of the coolest scenery I've ever hunted in. Like that was, that was one of the coolest trips I take in this season. I'd say. That sounds fun. I've I've never waterfall hunted in Wyoming. <clears throat> no, I mean you don't you don't think about it really a lot. And like the I think the year round tag for waterfowl is only like a hundred bucks for out of state or something. It was really? like it was fairly cheap. Wow. Because they're all concerned about big game. They're not not really. You know they're waterfowl, so yeah, you can't put a pri- higher price tag when there's no one really coming there to do it. I guess, huh? <laughs> no, no. Hmm. Did you? How'd you guys do? I mean, I seen some of the videos. Did you? Were you okay with how you guys did, or was it? Yeah, we shot our shot our goose limit both days. Oh, okay. That second time, so nice. Yeah, that was just an amazing weekend. That sounds fun. Yeah, you was that one of those times was with Ben, right? No, that was no, Ben came out and hunted with me. Oh, okay. Yep. Now where's he he, he, where's he living now? I he's in Lincoln. Oh, okay. So he's still in Nebraska then. Yeah, he yeah, he's still in Nebraska. Oh, okay, okay. And I haven't talked to him in a long time. How's he doing? He's he's doing good. He's uh busy with his new job. He's uh uh, hopefully don't listen to this. I'll butcher it. It's sportsman solutions or something. Sovereign sportsman solutions. I think it's where you're okay. working. Okay. S three, something like that. But mm. yeah, no, I think he likes it. That's cool. Now, <clears throat> do you know the number of birds that you did shoot this season? I'm just curious now that you said it was your best. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 183 ducks and 45 geese. Wow. That is, that's a good year. <laughs> that is a good year. <laughs> yeah. Now my question is, how many uh, twenty-eight gauge shells did you shoot this season? Who? Well, let's just say I've uh, I've already put my order in for some more cases from Boss. <laughs> did you shoot? <laughs> did you shoot over a case of twenty-eights? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you were majority. So what was the what gun were you using the majority of the time? The twenty-eight. Uh. It was probably about, I, it was probably the TriStar, you know, because I didn't get my ethos until mid-December. I wish I would have had it. I wish I would have had it a lot earlier, honestly, because that, that TriStar just cost me so many opportunities with its jamming issue. And mm. I I tried fixing it. I tried cleaning it. I got to still send it in, but it just, yeah, it didn't didn't work, but... Mm. We're, what did they, did they have? They gave you any answers or anything? Have, did you call TriStar and say what's going on here? Like, I haven't yet. I uh, had a couple people message me about it, um, and it sounds like there might be a burr on like the bottom part of the action mechanism. Maybe I might have butchered all the terminology there, but uh, kind of a rough, like it was cutting into the shell casing part way. So that was part of the problem, mm-hmm. and then. Um, you know, just they want to extract cleanly either. Huh. See, that was wh- that's why I switched from Super X's in my Browning A5 and just started shooting other stuff because Super X's, their crimps are kind of extra long, like longer than most brands. Yeah. And when it would flip out, go to flip out, it'd hang up on the crimp once it was opened. So that's why I ended up mm-hmm. having to stop shooting that. And I think my brother-in-law, the thing is, he has a three and a half inch chamber. Mine's three inch, but even with his three and a half, he was having, I think, 
he was having some issues too. So, but I've never had any other problems since. I've no no issues with my gun. Period. It was just the crimps, and that was what caused that. I wonder if that's kind of the same same thing. That yeah, that ate. that could be. You know, I like I said, I got to send that one in, and I got to send my Winchester my twenty gauge in too. Um, so, oh, what's <laughs> going on with that one? Well, it, it, um, you know, I took it out on a duck hunt and it shot high and I was talking to some more people and that seems to be a fairly common issue. So they'll, uh, supposedly fix that, but I haven't, you know, I've just been so busy with hunting season and everything else right now. I'm kind of waiting for off season kind of calm down and then I'll get all that stuff taken care of. Yeah. I mean, are you, are you chasing stuff right now or do you kind of laid off on the old snow goose deal oh not like not currently um once it warms up and the snow geese i mean there's snow geese around but they're not i don't know they're kind of like super tough to hunt Mm -hmm. (laughs) because i feel like they've been around for quite a bit and they've seen all the spreads in the area and you know they're all adults they're fairly smart Mm -hmm. so uh you've got to have perfect conditions almost and we just haven't haven't had that happen yet so you're just kind of waiting on weather really to go out there. Yeah. yeah. And you know, with the, we got a little warm streak coming this week, so I'm sure there'll be some migrators come up and some new eyes, maybe try to get out once or twice this week. We'll see. Gotcha. Now what's your, uh, I'm, uh, I'm assuming Turkey's your next adventure, huh? Yep. What do you got? You got some good plans for that? Something different this year or just kind of make better what you did last year. You did pretty good last year. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's hard to hard to improve upon uh, on last year. Uh, I got my first bow turkey. I'm gonna try to get another, at least one or two bow turkey. Uh, that that season opens up here in well, be 24 days tomorrow, and then uh, I want to get one, at least one with my new with my new 28 gauge. Oh, you know, break sure. it in with the turkey. Mm-hmm. For sure, that's cool. I I kind of made up in my mind. I I've killed turkeys and stuff, but I was like last year, I was like, you know what? I don't even care if I get one as long as I could get it with a bow. So I just focused bow only. But after missing that one at 30, 30, 35 yards, which was such a chip shot, I can't believe I missed it. But after that, I was like, you know what I'm going to do this time since we can get three? I'm going to shoot the first one, get the first one out of the way. And with my shotgun, probably my my 20 gauge more likely and then after that that's when i think i'm just going to finish with the bow and stay with that until i whenever i get one whether it's this year or 10 years from now i'm <laughs> i'm going to get one and i have it in the shop i got new string on it new peep and uh going to do a little upgrades cuz i've got a bear bow so okay i'm, I'm going to um put i think I'm, it's got the whisker biscuit but i noticed it kind of after a while, choose up your fletching. So I think I'm going to put a drop away on it. And that's probably all I'm going to do to it for this year. Because, you know, stuff with the bow, it's like, well, man, why are you putting that expensive a thing on that bow? It's like, well, this can go with me if I buy another bow someday. So it really doesn't matter. You know, it's like, yep. you're pre-buying your quality, which I'm not going to go crazy on a drop away. I'm just going to get a standard drop away, nothing expensive. But um, I'm, tr- I'm trying to quiet it down, too. I feel like it's a little bit twangy. When I shoot compared to which I am shooting next to all these guys that have $2,000 bows. So that's not helping. (laughs) (laughs) But though I said, uh, we've had, uh, we've had some, uh, they'll probably listen to this rolling their eyes, but we've had some, uh, shooting competitions with like a little 3d range, you know, with the targets and deer and bear and elk and all that. And I've, uh, I've shot a few of those gentlemen outshot a few of them with their expensive bows. So, doesn't really matter what you do as long as you practice and get good with it so but yep. yeah no talents talents a really good shot actually all these guys that these younger guys that we shoot together with they're all really good shots everybody's pretty pretty um talented when it comes to that kind of stuff i guess just because we're passionate about it, we do it so much you know yeah go all go all in 100 percent. so any uh, interesting things with your waterfowl season this year that you'd share with us? Anything that kind of stuck out to you this year that's something different or new? Yeah. Uh, you know, got a uh, got a couple weird ones this year. Got a Quill Lake goose, 
which I'd only ever shot one on other before that and not nearly as, as colorful as this one was. Um, so that was really cool. That's cool. And then I got a, uh, I don't know what you want to even call it. Partially Lewistic Mallard It had like white wings. Oh yeah. It, that was pretty cool. And <laughs> I think I made some people upset when I told them I ate it rather than got it mounted, but it's like, I'm not made of money. You know, I can't, <laughs> I can't yeah. mount every weird one. Yeah. I, I get both sides of it. I get the side of wanting to mount it because if I shot that because I was a really cool bird, I'd probably get it mounted. Maybe if it had to be in the freezer for a couple of years. But, yeah, I totally get your side of it, too. It's like, dude, it's not cheap. <laughs> no, no. I And, I, you know, I'm glad I didn't get it mounted because I took that quill in to get mounted anyways. So I was like, oh, I'm good with just one bird this year. No getting, kidding. Well, because <laughs> I don't know what your tax is doing, but. Uh, geese are a lot more expensive than ducks can mount too so i'll just say it wasn't cheap yeah yeah it is not <laughs> i know what they call i know what trouse charges and i know what a lot of other guys charge trouse is really fair what he charges i always tell him he needs to go up a little bit i think he's just too cheap but i mean whatever he's building a good reputation he's done quite a ton of birds now yeah he's really good but that's cool man congrats on that quill that's definitely uh, you've never shot one before I shot one. Oh, okay, that's right. Yeah, like that's one cool. that I knew was mine, but it just had little white chest patches. It wasn't near as you know pretty. That's cool. I've never even seen one in per, I, one of these days. <laughs> well, it's funny because that was the week before Ben came out. I was out there in Wyoming, and Ben comes out, and I call this pair in, and there was three more behind them, right behind them, and they kind of join up, and I, I call them out this pair. I'm like. That one's a quill. And that was the last one to go down. <laughs> oh. And it was the closest goose. And I, so Ben and his buddy, I let them shoot because, um, you know, they let them center up. I was on the right. closest side to the geese. So I was letting them get the best shots at them that time, at that point. And uh, I'm like, that quill's getting away. And Ben pulls up and shoots. And then I shoot right after and it goes down. But he, you could tell on the camera, you know, he got he definitely got it, which I was happy. I'm glad he did. Oh, so he got a quill too then. Yeah, yeah it sounds like he's getting that one mounted too. <laughs> oh, that's cool, man. That's that's yep. super cool. Wow. So that yeah, that was cool to get, you know, not only see two quills in two weeks, but uh, to back get them both. Yeah. Yeah, because it's one thing seeing them, it's another thing. You know, yeah. Them. My always my thing is like kind of talking about that hybrid, that pintail malacross, it's like sometimes in my mind, the way I like to identify birds before I shoot and you're like really looking at the birds, what is it, Drake, can you know, like you're thinking all these things. I said, what's going to happen to me when I see, well, I'll tell you another story here in a second, but what happens to me is I identify and I think maybe sometimes it takes more time for me before I actually shoot. And I said, what's going to happen is I'm going to see a hybrid and because I'm like trying to figure out what it is, it's just gonna pass by. I'm never gonna get a shot at it, you know. It's like, ugh. yeah. That's why I'm my. That's like my biggest fear. But what I did get a chance to shoot at, and I hit it three or four times. It just makes me sick thinking about it and talking about it. But a Euro widgeon. It was like, oh. come, yes, come round, cupped from my left side, decoying, wings down, feet down, coming down. I shot. Missed on my first, because I go, I was like, man, the way the sun was, it was at his back, so I couldn't see the head really good, but I knew it was a widgeon. Well, right when he turned left to come in the decoys right in front of me, I mean, literally come in the decoys. And I go, I shot, I missed. When he flared up, I go, Thomas was already limited out. I needed one more bird. And it flares up. I go, it's a Euro. And Thomas is screaming behind me, get it. And I shoot, boom, I hit it, but it like in the bottom, it's going kind of flaring, flushing straight up. Boom, mm -hmm. hit it, feathers come off it. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. And boom, hit it again the third time, oh, I'm sorry, the second time after three shots, and feathers come off again. And what he does, I'm, I'm sure you've seen birds 
do this where they almost fly in place. Yep. I actually had enough time to load another shell. He's like, kill that thing, load another shell. And I'm like fumbling around, dropping shells in the water, freaking out because I know it's a euro. It's only like 25 yards away. I drop another shell. And I'm thinking in my mind, how in the world has this bird not dropped? I put a fourth shell in after I shot those other three, hit it again, and he flies off, and he flies so slow like he's going to drop and die any moment. I was like, I would walk a mile if I seen that bird fall and try to figure out, take Rocky with me. He literally fluttered and barely moved until he completely went outside. He would just he would like go fly to the right, fly to the left, start going lower like he's gonna fall, then come up and and literally flew like that till he was outside. I was sick to my stomach. Oh, sick. That that's kind of like my pintail this year. Like you you know we don't we don't get the pintails like you guys do, and all I want is a nice Drake pintail with a big sprig on him mm-hmm. and his. <laughs> Well, it was my last duck hunt of the year, actually. I was out solo, and I had this little blind I made out of uh, tumbleweeds, which was a pain to shoot out of. But I see these, uh, it was four pintails. There's two drakes, both nice sprigs, and two hens. And they made a wide pass. I was like, okay, maybe they'll come back. And I can't pintail whistle to save my life. Mm So I I was more just like kind of hoping, which we we had the wind, so that helped. But it was completely overcast, which... That's not always good for the pintails. Um, but they finally, they're coming back up to where I'm sitting at. I'm like, and I'm just like, I'm all right, here they come, here they come. And I just, I don't know. I, I, I had duck fever. Like, you know, when you see a big mm-hmm. buck, mm-hmm. but I, I, I knew they were both nice sprigs and I could pick them out. And I just, I rushed my shots and I never, never got him. Oh. <laughs> I, I was like, Oh, you gotta be kidding me. I finally get an opportunity at one of these. And I couldn't, you know, I couldn't capitalize on it. I was, oh, that's going to haunt me all off season. <laughs> oh, dude, I'll never forget this the rest of my life. I've wanted a euro no. for as long as I can. Re- I mean, who doesn't, right? But like, I've always specific, like, I want a euro. Like, I want a euro. And I was just, I wanted to cry. Actually, me and Thomas started fighting a little bit because he was so mad. I was like, dude, you don't think I'm just as mad? I'm the one that's stinking missed. He's like, oh, yeah. if I wouldn't have been livered out, I could have shot that. I'm like, yeah, no kidding. I, I was just, ugh. We were just, fr- really what it was, we were both just bummed and frustrated. It's like, you make, you finally have an opportunity in your life to shoot some rare bird. And you totally, like you said, get duck fever and blow it. Yeah, ugh. see, that's why, like, kind of going back to that, if I saw, like, that pintail mallard hybrid and I identified it on the wing, I don't know if I could hit that thing. I think yeah i'd be shaking so oh, much know. just knowing I, and you know what exactly what happened what i thought would happen when i seen some type of hybrid or some rare bird is exactly what happened i was always fearful like i said you know i was like always thinking okay in this situation you gotta shoot you know fast and stay focused and sure enough like you said duck fever sets in and it's just amazing because i had i wasn't even shooting bad but after that happened I literally went downhill. It was like to get my seventh bird. It was just, I guess that shook me up so much. I just couldn't hit nothing after that. And I was actually low. I think I was like six birds and 11 shells or something. I mean, I was shooting really good. And then after that, I think I ended up shooting. Actually, I think I ended up shooting. Was it that hunt? I want to say I had to borrow some shells. from. Maybe it wasn't that hunt. But I did have one hunt this year that I actually had to shoot over a box. I had to borrow like two shells from Thomas. I feel like I always have one of those a season. Like I I feel like this year I shot the best I ever have. I feel like every year it gets a little bit better, but you always have those off days. But I was always averaging between – I had a really good day. I had one day where I shot eight shells for my limit, seven birds. But for the most part, it was always – I think I was always sitting around 13 to 17 was kind of like my average range, which – I'm happy with, you know, like I I remember for years always taking like 20 to close to a box and if not making what we call it here, the walk of shame, because you could only take a box in. That's pretty bad. Like that's, (laughs) that's bad shooting, but it's also, I think part of that's a lot of things. It's also selecting the shots too, you know, going from when you were younger, just throwing still down range to where now you're like, you're not taking those shots, you know? No. And you know, I've noticed Switching to Bismuth definitely makes a oh, difference. Oh man, too. yes, yes. 
And so probably people think, well, what were you shooting? You said you hit it three times. I was actually, I was, it's not the ammo. It's where I was hitting it. That was the problem. I know, and the sad part is I know that bird's going to die. That's what makes me even more sick about it. I'd rather not even hit it and miss that thing, whiffed on it four times, than to know a beautiful Eurasian redheaded widgeon is going to be going out there dying somewhere. That just makes me, ugh, makes me sick. Yeah. And it was right there. I mean, but I was tailpiping. I was hitting it in the bottom of the feathers. When it was flushing up, I was hitting it low. I just wasn't putting it up above it enough, you know? Yep. And uh, I think I was using I was using bismuth that day. But, I mean, it, that's not a miracle. I mean, it, it definitely, I know, has helped me kill birds that I normally wouldn't have just because it, it is what it is. It's bismuth. But it's not a miracle worker, you know? No. You still got to put, <laughs> you know, put, put it on the target. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a bummer. But, uh, well, I know it's kind of early to ask this now, but staying on the waterfowl topic, do you have any uh, big plans for next year? Kind of, like I said, I know it's a ways out, but we kind of always kind of have a semi-plan of what we like to do next year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's kind of hard to top this year. I I hunted yeah. a lot, but, you know, I always want to hunt more seems like but uh kind of try to make my waterfowl season start in august this year oh man gonna (laughs) gonna try to get up to north dakota hopefully for an early goose hunt you know seeing thomas up there last year that was just looked like a blast and uh right now we're kind of talking about you know joining forces up there again next year so hopefully that uh comes to fruition uh then we got, uh, you know, teal season. Sure, hit that hard again. Hopefully, we get some rain, actually, so we have wetlands to hunt. But uh, if not, you know, there's there's a, there will still be a few around. Just mm. it'll be harder to hunt them. Yeah. And then uh, actually going to have to take a weekend off of waterfowl season this year, hopefully, uh, looking to draw an antelope tag with my dad. So mm. we've been putting in for this will be the seventh year. And we should finally have enough points to both draw rifle antelope tags. Oh wow! So yeah, that'll that'll be fun. Hopefully, we can both bag one and uh, get back to duck hunting then. <laughs> <laughs> That's hard to take a break in that, but when you've been putting in for that long, I I totally get that. Me and Tom's been putting for seven years in Wyoming for uh, basically a trophy area. They're big antelope. That's why I've kind of taken the time to do this, but. I think this year might be the year we can. I think we have enough points to actually at least try. I don't know if we'll get drawn or not. I don't think the odds are very good, but yeah, we can just put in. So, yep. And then, you know, I'm putting in for a few swan tags in different states. So I don't think I'll get drawn this year, but hopefully in the future, really want to get a get a swan. Same so. here. Yep. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I've there's a I have a good friend that lives in. Um, utah and that that is definitely i think that's where i'm gonna go get one try to shoot one is utah yeah that's where i'm applying to okay they say i i don't know the the guys there that live there told me you'll you might not get it your first year but you'll get it your second year is what i've been told i don't know how true that is but yeah that's what i heard too okay so yeah i was like i heard there's a there's a chance you can get it your first year but it's not very likely for non-residents but uh, your second year you're almost guaranteed yeah so. Okay, and I didn't mean they didn't know that. I meant like I I might have been quoting that wrong, but okay. And you saying that that must that's been, how I understand. Okay. It. I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, I, well, we call him Polly Goose, but um, his name's Braden. He's the one that went with us um up there in Washington when there was snow and stuff. He lives there now. He's a California native, but he moved up there for school five years ago and said, "I'm not leaving this place." <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah, I think I, I'm just gonna go up there with him. Those Washington hunts you guys go on, those look awesome. Yeah, they were. They were. It was fun. I will tell you this though, we hit the weather perfect. We hit the weather perfect. That was when everybody on this basically West Coast was getting that just nasty, nasty cold weather. Yeah, I seen a. Actually, I saw a pretty cool Facebook post from Washington. I don't know. I want to say it was maybe Kyle Jones that put it out or something, but uh, it was like there was burrows under the snow from mallards. Like they, they were out feeding and that snow just came in that quick or something, I guess. No way. They were, yeah. Like you could just see like little duck burrows under the, in like the cornfields out there. 
and they were just feeding under the snow. What? Yeah, I'll have to see if I can find that Dude, again. And yeah, send. send that to me. You know what? It's so believable, too, because, number one, they got to eat, so it's in their nature. They've got to find the food. But mallards are such a, a, a hardy, aggressive bird, they're going to find a way, you know? So I, I don't even yeah. doubt that, but it just that's so cool to hear that that is something they do. Yeah, I, I, like I, you know, I saw that and I was like, wow, that is just crazy. And then, you know, they said they moved out the next day, but they needed to eat that day, I guess. Wow. Hey, they got to do what they got to do. Yeah, exactly. Strong survive. And I'm sure there's birds <laughs> that end up dying, you know, too. They just oh yeah, don't either have the strength or they're older birds or whatever. You know, it's hard. We don't think of it like that, but you know, that happens just like in any other thing in nature, you know? Yeah. Or, you know, if that snow were to like, melt a little bit and then refreeze where they can't break through it or right. get an ice storm or something that can mess them all up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, thanks for coming on, Matt. We've been, we're about to that, that time, but I'm uh, excited to see your pictures that you've been taking. I'm going to be editing for the next couple of days, trying to get some pictures out, but <clears throat> guys, you can find Matt on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Is it high Prairie sportsman for TikTok too? Yeah, same okay. same name for everything. Same name for everything, and then also on YouTube, Matt's Matt really really blew up this year. He's already lost subscribers, but man, how many did you get this season from start of season to end? Uh, it was probably close to nine or ten k. Wow, you hammered it this year. Yeah, it was a, it was a good season. <laughs> really good, yeah. Lots of views, good, great videos. I mean, your hunts are I've your hunts are always been my favorite because you just you do the hunt take care of it and really enjoy your videos. So if you guys like, if you haven't heard of him, which I would think most of you have, but if you haven't go check him out on YouTube, Matt Zavlonic, and he's on high Prairie sportsman. Just look it up. If you like watching, well, if you like watching waterfowl videos, cooking videos, gardening videos, even watch out now. <laughs> and also a lot of Turkey hunts and fishing, all kinds of good stuff. If you just like outdoor channel, check him out on YouTube. Thanks again, Matt, for coming on today. Yeah, thanks for having me, buddy. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next episode.